How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to this episode of the uh, 2020s Enterprise. Uh, my name is Sam Holzman, and I have a special guest with uh, us this week, uh, Luke Peters. And uh, Luke is the president and CEO of Retail Brands, and he aims to help businesses sell appliances through online channels and allow their marketing to grow and expand. Uh, he's got extensive product development and entrepreneurial experience, and his and his team are especially adept at creating product launches at a wide variety of e-commerce sites like Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, Costco, Wayfair, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, and Best Buy. Literally the who's who of, of retailing these days. Fantastic. In this episode, we're going to get an understanding of his approaches to this digital business and the concepts of organizational change within that approach. And so uh, hopefully you'll get some real insights into this new digital world with all the experience that uh, Luke uh, brings to us. So Luke, welcome to the show. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background, please? Well, thanks for having me, Sam. Um, looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to sharing my experience with your audience. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, a little bit about my background is, you know, married with children, love sports, coach a, a bunch of the kids' sports teams, and and we live an active lifestyle, like to surf and uh, hike, bike, uh, and travel. So that's personal side. And on the business side, um, received a group in an entrepreneurial family, actually working from a young age, um, making donuts actually at a donut shop. And then, uh, we, uh, you know, did all, I did, had a newspaper route and, and actually paid my way through college uh, with a swimming pool business that I then sold afterwards, went on to work as a microbiologist or it as a has hazardous waste scientist with my degree in microbiology, and then started uh, New Air, which is my product business in 2001 or two. So right around that time. And, and then from there, I uh, have started Retail Band, the, uh, the company you mentioned at the opening. So I got the two different companies and, um, you know, so I have a lot of experience, say, in product development and selling online and then selling into these retailers. So that's those are the categories that I'm passionate about. Fantastic. Fantastic. Can you give a little bit of a background on uh, what you're seeing out there uh, in this world of digital business and uh, the human side of that and what changes that you're seeing there? Um, I mean, so many. Of course, Amazon is, is taking over. I mean, basically what's happening, Amazon's taking share, but everybody's taking share. So most large companies are taking share over the smaller companies. Uh, I guess for folks who aren't um, super knowledgeable about it, it's, it's the same thing of, 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 say, what happened with Walmart over the last 25 years where they kind of took over, uh, you know, compared to, say, previously, there might have been a lot of mom and pops and other stores selling those goods. And then Walmart um, just had a better business model and more scale and, 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 and better pricing. And so they took over. And that's what Amazon's doing. But everybody else as well, you know, Home Depot's really strong and Wayfair and Target and and uh, on and on and on. So what you're seeing is consolidation in the industry and uh, a, a, a huge shift 
in almost all digital categories, a huge shift to consoli- consolidation. I mean, even in the restaurant industry, uh, it's happening. So just out, it's it's just happening everywhere, and a lot of businesses are being threatened. Um, and so you're just gonna everybody's gonna see a lot of changes in the next ten years. What uh, what do you say to people, or or how do you address people when they they approach you uh, and say, uh, "Hey, uh, help me uh, exist in the in the future." Uh, how do you get them started or how do you get them thinking a little bit differently about this? Right. So usually like people that were, were good at helping are going to be companies that have a product, but they don't understand the marketing or sales side, or maybe they understand the sales, but they understand it more um, with a, uh, you know, predisposition or, or just from the perspective of in-store. So we can definitely help them on the digital side because usually what they don't, what they haven't done is they haven't built a brand so we can help them build a brand. They don't have a captive audience. We can help them get a captive audience. They don't understand um, like all those steps to building that audience. So creating a great website that's going to generate traffic that you can then create, uh, you know, a strong email list that you, so you, so it, it is harder now to reach customers because they may just go straight to Amazon, but it doesn't, mean it's not valuable and every company should still have uh, their own customers are communicating with not just for sales but also for product development and feedback and it doesn't need to be the majority of your business but it should be a vertical within your company and um, that those are the areas we can help them and then from product launch how to properly launch a product how to get eyeballs on the product with all that work you put into it the last thing you want to do is launch a product and nobody sees it and um, those are, you know, some of the areas. And then also with influencer marketing, that, that's, that's a, a key area that we're pretty strong in. And um, so, for example, someone may have a product and, and they want to create more buzz, but they also maybe want to rank really good on YouTube, you know, for searches around that product. Or they may want third parties talking about them. So um, that is super important on the branding side of things instead of, you know, a brand talking about itself. You want other people talking about you. So those are the variety of different ways we can um, help folks in that, that I have experience in. Great, great. Um, a little bit of dialogue here. Um, many, 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 many years ago, uh, I've been around for a couple of days, um, we were watching Walmart and they happen to be a client of ours also. And uh, then of course, uh, Amazon comes along and I said to myself and to some of the people at, at Walmart, and I was not influential there, I wanna be very careful, I just sort of was talking out loud and said, aren't you guys being able to do this like tomorrow? In other words, put a friend uh, on your world, a digital world. You've got all the distribution centers, so to speak. And all you need to do is to essentially get people to buy your products, not coming through the stores, but coming through a website because you already have distribution in about 4,000 stores. And the the comments I got back were the same as what we saw at Microsoft, as a matter of fact, the fear of the cannibalization of the existing market. And that fear took a while, obviously, for Walmart and for Microsoft to, for example, Siate Nadala came in and, and virtually changed the environment by saying, we're gonna have to compete with our partners sometimes if they don't get it. Um, again, the concept of organizational change. Uh, do you see that uh, resistance in, in the world that you're in or is that sort of gone now because of the digital era that we're in? No, it's still there. See, here's the thing. Um, 
you know, back like, like, remember, go back 10 years at Apple, they cannibalized their own products. They knew you had to do that. And um, so your point is spot on about the fact that they're afraid to cannibalize. And I, I've actually, you know, I don't have, you know, any uh, insights internally at Walmart. I'm not, obviously don't work there. And, but I look at them and I say, you know, everybody that goes in that store, they should be pushing them to online. They should be handing out flyers. They should be teaching them the advantages of shopping on Walmart, why it's cheaper than Amazon, um, what the benefits are. But instead, you've got millions of customers going right into Walmart stores and right out of those stores without being, without promoting their online service, which is growing uh, domestically, you know, at least 20, probably around 20%. It, it, well, the, the share of online sales overall are probably increasing that much every year. So you have, you have uh, in-store sales that only grew 2% and you have online sales that are growing like 20 and you have other areas that are going down. So yeah, it would, it would just make total sense for Walmart to invest more. And, um, and, and, and so that specific example boggles my mind, why they, they have all of these customers coming in there and why they don't push it harder to the online side. And I'm sure they've done some research and they're afraid that, you know, people will go, they'll push into online and they'll lose it to Amazon. And the other thing is it's surprising how poor the Walmart experience is online. You know, it really is not good. And um, with all their money and, and Mark Lore and everybody else they brought over, it just, I, I, it just boggles my, even a company like a uh, home Depot has done a better job online, in my opinion, than, than, uh, than, than Walmart has. So, I know Walmart's growing a lot online, but they're growing from such a small number to compare to Amazon. And, and I think um, to your point of organizational change, it's really hard because you have companies that are so good at what they do and they, they can't just tomorrow be good at what someone else does. You know, that, that somebody else is good because their whole company was focused on whatever that thing was, you know, that, that being Amazon. So it's really hard for Walmart, who is the, best retailer, not just the number one, but the best brick and mortar retailer in the world to all of a sudden become the best digital retailer in the world. You know, they, they don't have that DNA. And um, that's why they buy these companies, obviously, to try to get that. I actually thought they should have bought Wayfair. You know, maybe there would be an opportunity coming up to buy them. But I thought that strategically would be a, a great company for them to, to own because of, you know, how just how great the Wayfair team is. They have so many smart people at that company and, um, but that never happened. Well, yeah, as, as you're aware, Walmart, I think bought, what was it? Jet.com to get them yep. started. Yep. And I don't know exactly what happened there, but maybe that, that approach of trying to plug yourself into somebody else's digital DNA is not a good idea. <laughs> uh, do, do you have to grow it organically or no, no, they did the right thing. They got a good team. They they really did. But Jet was still new. Jet didn't have as much scale. I mean, Mark Lore is a great, great leader in the industry. So that that's really what they did is they bought him mm-hmm. along with the team. But uh, you know, they're huge. It's like it's, it, I'm telling you, there the consolidation will continue. So with an end game, they have to think what's going to happen in 15 years, 20 years. There's going to be an end game, and most and a lot of folks are not going to be you know, they're going to keep losing share. So who's going to be there in 15 years? You know, I'm sure companies like Home Depot are a little insulated because they do uh, home improvement. So they're a little, they, they, they've got a beautiful niche. Um, so they're well positioned. 
But then when you're looking at Target, Walmart, Amazon, they're all going against each other and Kohl's, you know, and, and then probably a couple of others I'm not mentioning, but, you know, they're all hitting against each other. And then, um, you know, how are they going to win in 15 years? They got to think bigger. And so that's why I was just saying, you know, Walmart, it, it, so there's going to be less players in 15 years than there are now. It's just, it, we're just in an era of consolidation. And, um, and so, you know, I don't know if Wayfair is the right company to buy, but they sure as heck got a lot of smart people there. And, and that it would position Walmart better than, and Wayfair has got a beautiful shopping experience. It's like all these things that Walmart doesn't have. So um, just an, it, just an idea. But <laughs> sure, maybe they're going to be listening. I don't know, and and yeah. and, and bring you on to to help them out. Uh, let yeah. me switch gears here a little bit to uh, uh, to Disney, uh, one of my favorite companies to uh, uh, not only uh, work with but also uh, addiction. Uh, had annual passes with Disney for forty years, mm-hmm. um, and it continues. But I see the struggle, a little bit of the struggle that somebody like them sees. Uh, I can give you right now the phone number 407 WDW Disney. They want you to do the human uh, interaction with them. And yet in their, um, you know, in in some of their attractions, especially in their in their food concessions, they've been almost forced to go into the various modes of operation. For example, a digital ordering on your uh, smartphone, the kiosks, you know, that, you know, that are there and all these other things. Uh, we see, uh, you know, Starbucks putting in um, the drive-throughs uh, and also the, the digital ordering. Uh, it seems to me that it's taking away a little bit of the, the DNA. In other words, the, 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 the aroma, the, the robustness in the, uh, in the Starbucks stores, the, the personal greeting and the smiles that you get from from Disney, are we seeing a change in 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 you and I? In other words, society to to say that's not important anymore. Uh, speed efficiency uh, is now the key in this digital world. I get the product. I don't know care or I don't worry about the periphery. Again, that organizational change component I'm talking about. Something's changing. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for a hundred percent. I don't know how I'm not, you know what, there's probably a better person to explain it, but think about a couple of examples. I mean, young people nowadays are using the sharing economy. Young people nowadays are using apps to, because it's easier, it's more efficient. They don't have to wait in line. Um, that's why we buy from Amazon, right? We don't want to go to a store and walk. Up. So it's, so it's not so much that they don't want to, deal with people. I mean, that could be part of it, but they just, we, we just want things to be more efficient. So it's only going to continue. Um, I do think Disney's done a great job, by the way, though. I mean, um, with their new streaming service and uh, just some of the initiatives they're doing, they're, they're really thinking to the future overall, just to, you know, from a corporate and, and stock valuation side. But as far as, you know, what things are going to be in the future, yeah, it's people are just less personable. People seem not to want to talk as much. Or, but you know, the way I think about that is, hey, if someone's a great speaker and they're young, um, and you know they they've got a great shot then at being a sales leader in the future because there's there's just a lack there's going to be potentially a lack of those types of skills. Yeah, and uh, we've got a break coming up in about a minute or so, and and after the break, I want to uh, move into this area a little bit more. Uh, the the concept of, and I'm using these phrases as a bit of a joke as an introduction. Um, 
I, I don't say Instagram to people. I say Instabrag. Yeah. I don't say Facebook to people. I say faceless book. Uh, and the reason is not to be obnoxious or cute. Uh, that's really what it is. It, it seems to be a different format of communication. Um, again, coming back to the organizational, the human component, the digitization of, of, uh, of these things. And uh, uh, after our break, if we could, Luke, I'd like to explore a little bit of what you're seeing about uh, this, this human commu- uh, uh, communication change. And is digital, in your opinion, uh, helping that? Uh, or are we moving toward more of a cocooning society, as, as I call it? So we're just going to take a quick break, Luke. Again, thank you for that tremendously interested uh, first segment. Uh, you're listening to 2020's Enterprise. My guest today is Luke Peters. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, Visit EACOE.org. Based on over 30 years of real world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back to The uh, 2020s Enterprise. Uh, our guest today is Luke Peters, and we're talking about this uh, digital transformation and human and organizational change that's going on. And uh, uh, Luke's experience in this area is is quite diverse, and he's working with some very large organizations in their on their e-commerce act- activities, seeing this shift uh, from uh, brick and mortar to uh, various online resources, and the shift that's going on both for the consumer, you and I, and also the, the obviously the stores and the infrastructure that's there. And in our first segment, I was uh, chatting about the, the, the changes that uh, uh, we see out there. And, and I'm not suggesting they're good or bad. It's just a little bit of confusion as to what people, in my opinion, are doing nowadays. And that's why I joked about uh, the phrase, a faceless book and Instabrag. <laughs> and the reason I do that is it's, it's changing the, the interfaces that are going on out there and the, the um, you know, the influencers, uh, you know, that we see. So with that, uh, as we move into our second segment here, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, what you're seeing uh, from uh, a, an incentivizing standpoint uh, for people in this digital world that we're in. Price is one of them, um, and that possibly goes along with, with convenience. Uh, but how do you differentiate yourself uh, in, in this marketplace now where those are probably two of the key or maybe not? What's your experience there? If you can provide us with some insight there. Yes. Um, I mean, those are they're, they're It's tough. And how do you differentiate yourself first? You have to have, you know, you, before you tell anybody, you have to actually have those differentiators in your business. So whether that's. Um, you know, product differentiation or service differentiation. And then you need to make sure you tell that story, which is the most important thing. So, so on your website and through your constant messaging, tell that story. But I think, I think number one companies don't do that. And, and by the way, that's, that's one of the things is just overall strategy. You know, how are you different or what is your offering and how does it um, solve a problem or, or help the consumer? But then beyond that, like on the marketing side, uh, you know, talking about, Getting other people talking about your business, I think that is the key area that I think folks are missing out on. The ones that are winning are doing it a lot. And that is where these influencers can come into play, by the way. So the influencers can really help you there. Uh, I agree with you that, you know, Instagram and Facebook for a lot of folks, um, it's not healthy. Um, For kids, you know, it's been shown to cause anxiety and depression. And uh, and so definitely uh, that's something but I think, you know, for professionals, um, Instagram's important and Facebook's important, but I think, you know, LinkedIn is a great social network. It's, it's, it's immensely important for professionals. It still has stayed relatively true. It's, it's not quite yet, yet turned into Facebook and then also YouTube. So I like, um, so for my business, we like to work with YouTube influencers. We think, um, there's a lot of strange things on YouTube, but there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube also. And 
with the YouTube influencer, what you can do is the thing is that that content is evergreen. That content stays there. You you generally don't have to pay to reach a big audience like you do on LinkedIn and Facebook. So LinkedIn and Facebook are now closed in a sense, and you have to actually pay to talk to your own audience. And so um, YouTube is different. It's just like another Google search engine. It's a number two search engine. And uh, it, it can, you can get amazing results working for working with influencers. And then those videos stick around for years. So people see them when they're launched, but they continue to see them over time. And, and, and then even those videos can rank on Google. I can go on and on, but there's just a million benefits if you can um, have the right strategy for a YouTube influencer strategy. And so when you're launching a product, you know, obviously you have to get the positioning correct, but then you got to think about, Hey, how are you getting eyeballs on this product in one way is with influencers. Um, there's many other ways we can go into though. So that's a, that's a topic of, of, of interest. I think to our audience is uh, you see these influencers out there. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, some of the television shows are now picking up on, uh, on, on that influencer phrase. And, and uh, I think our audience are interested in two things when it comes to that. Uh, how does one become an influencer? If I can use that phrase <laughs> And the second thing is, how do you get your message to them? Is it a is it a, a purchasing activity uh, that's there? The reason I'm mentioning this is that uh, we are, uh, for those of you listening to this broadcast uh, live, or you know, we're in the uh, Democratic debate season in, in our presidential election, and uh, just today uh, there was this uh, large uh, article in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Michael Bloomberg, excuse me, it's now Mike Bloomberg, it's, uh, <laughs> and his purchasing literally $2,500 a month of people to go out there and essentially message their friends on how good Mike is. Um, this is bending, in my opinion, the rules a little bit uh, yeah. that's out there. Now, I guess he would, they would be called paid influencers, but I don't think that's what you and I are talking about. It's it's somebody else. Can you give us a little insight into the other side, the uh, the less uh, billionaire side of influencing that, that possibly is there? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And, and you're asking good questions. And um, yeah, I don't think he's the first politician to pay for people to show up at a rally or or, or talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I think uh, I think they're they're always figuring new ways to do that. But but anyways, back to influencers. Uh, one thing that's really important, I think, for everybody to think about, and and it's I just listened to your last, um, you know, podcaster or or last interview that you. Well, it wasn't an interview. You're talking about how you know in in things that we think now are new in history are not new. You know, they've been going on for a long period of time, and that had to do with technology. And the same thing here with influencers, this isn't new. It's a new thing because we're talking about it all the time, but I'll just give you in the audience one analogy or one example, and that would be Michael Jordan. You know, when Nike, um, you know, when Phil Knight, you know, was running Nike and, or when, when he started it, and by the way, his book, uh, Shoe Dog, is in, in my opinion, one of the best um, autobiographies and business stories anybody can read. And when he talked about, you know, getting, going there and getting the best athletes to wear his shoes, those were influencers. I mean, it's the same thing people are doing now, exactly the same thing. It had a little bit more power then because there was less of them and, and they were only on the you know three major networks, I guess. So now what's happened is it's just been, I guess another word is that you know it's been democratized in the sense that there's all these channels. So now instead of there only being a few top key influencers um, 
while a lot of companies and technology has consolidated the industry, what has happened is that there's a huge disruption is that we've been segmenting ourselves and our interests. So you go to YouTube, there's a billion different channels. And so, you know, people are now actually really narrowly tuned into just what they want to listen to, you know, so people can just decide if they think that's good or bad for society, but you've got, you know, these narrow segments all over, and this is in social media too, and, and on cable TV and everywhere, Netflix. So what happened with influencers, you know, it went from just a couple that would have massive influence, you know, AKA Michael Jordan to now anybody who is entertaining in their, uh, you know, area of interest and, and, and on the social media channel can get, um, it can become influential if they get an audience. So to your, to how to become an influencer, uh, I guess be interesting and, and find a way to get an audience. Usually that's going to lead to somewhat, you know, it could be extreme type of, you know, videos or photography or just, you know, someone who's really engaging usually is also great. And then, um, so I just wanted to put that out. And then also to tell you how, how people monetize it, the higher level influencers, so folks that got, you know, a million followers or more, they definitely can charge, you know, for product placement. Um, the folks that we like to work with, you might call them micro influencers, say 10 to 100,000 followers, um, oftentimes product exchange. And, and they'll uh, divulge that information. You have to, you know, and be open about it, that, they're, that they were given a product. But those folks... Um, you know, they don't have a big enough following generally to charge a lot. And so they tend to be good on a product exchange as long as that product has enough value to them. And um, so you can, so then there's more of a negotiation back and forth and you have to have process in place and really understand how to reach out to these influencers. So it's more of a time involved process. Hopefully that gives you a good uh, background, how it works. Absolutely. Uh, is there a, this may sound funny. Is there a list of influences there is there an influencers influencers consortium <laughs> or yeah. something like that it's that same vetting process that you and i are talking about in the digital world i mean um how do you know uh, or maybe maybe it's a you know catch as catch can no there's both you know there is so you could go to youtube and you could say okay you know in our case we're you know from my we're, we're releasing some really cool outdoor refrigerators so these are so these are products, you know, you put your drinks in it, they go out, but they're outdoor rated. Okay, so now there's platforms to go find folks, but I'll tell you quickly how one can do it. So in our case, we, you know, who would we best want to partner with? Maybe a construction company, a home renovation company, maybe a mom that's famous for throwing fun parties with a pool. You, you follow me? So you, you sure you, there's different. So then you would go to YouTube and you could search for those types of people. And then you would find them. Some of them might be really good. Some of them not. So you spend time, you're having to go and, and, and vet out the ones you are good that you think are good. And then you contact them. I mean, it, it can be time intensive. So what's popped up in the last couple of years are various platforms that will help aggregate all of these influencers. So they probably have some sort of backend API connection to, to the different social channels, YouTube's, the Instagram's. And then you can literally search in these platforms and say, okay, I want somebody who, you know, has between 500 and, you know, a million followers and with these attributes. And then it'll, and so it acts like a search engine of these people. And so that's a quicker way to go about it. And then within those platforms, you'll have uh, 
communication options so you can more quickly communicate to the influencer and, and try to negotiate a deal. Hmm. That's, that's, uh, you know, excellent advice. It's, uh, it's always, to me, a little bit nerve-wracking, as you and I can probably guess when you go out there and try to, you know, figure out, you know, when I go when you go to buy something, you know, all we keep hearing about is fake. This fake and fake this and fake that. And but, you know, obviously the example you gave us, which which is really, really good going back in history is people like, you know, Michael Jordan and the impact that he made. Uh, you know, not not only on, on Nike, but the whole game of basketball and uh, all the other stuff that goes with it, and uh, you know that's uh, you know that's out there. And I guess we're seeing that same that same type of thing. Uh, just to expand on our conversation, um, you know, and uh, with the uh, you know television, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Oprah Winfrey or Rachel Ray. Uh, I remember when Oprah was on. As soon as she had an author on her show. Uh, that wrote a book, it was an instant, uh, I'll use the phrase bestseller, uh, you know, that's out there. But you did mention, uh, which, uh, which is great, that you're dealing with uh, organizations that are of a, a much, you know, smaller scale than that. Uh, and are you, are you suggesting it's the same media? It's just, it's just tough. It's a, little, it's a little bit hard to get started to get oh, these influencers so- in, in your lap, so to speak? Or Yeah, so... I think what you're asking is, you know, so we're dealing with the smaller micro influencers. The reason to do that is be just because, um, well, there's a little bit more to get into, but I guess monetizing an influencer is um, difficult. It's not always a sure bet. So for example, let's say you have to pay someone a large sum of money and they're a really A-list influencer and they've got 5 million followers. It's difficult to know upfront if, if you're going to monetize that into actual sales, are you going to get a return on investment? Okay. And um, one thing that is um, a big change in the digital world versus 20 years ago, you know, with newspaper ads and everything else is now you can quantify what your return on investment is with advertising clearly, like down to the click and, you know, and so we're used to that in digital marketing. And so when you give, when you pay an influencer a hundred thousand dollars and you're just not sure if you're going to get a return and it could be a dud or you could get a return it's tough. And so one reason to work with a micro influencer is because you're not investing as much and your, and your expectations are more um, about search engine ranking and um, top of funnel, meaning educating the customer about your product. So in my example of that beverage, outdoor beverage uh, refrigerator, you know, maybe educating them that it's weather resistant and the cool design and, and why it's a big advantage to have that product over something that's a cheap indoor unit that's probably going to fail and rust. And so those customers may watch the video and they may not buy from the influencer, but they might go to Home Depot and buy our product on homedepot.com. You see, so it's a little different, Sam. It's it's taking a, it's taking more of a marketing and top of funnel um, awareness approach and getting strong search engine visibility versus working with that one influencer that could be a home run, but it could be a infield uh, pop out. So, yeah, one thing I <laughs> one thing I learned one thing I learned in my uh, MBA program a gazillion years ago is uh, the word "hmm" is very important. <laughs> it's sometimes very difficult to figure out how these. Uh, uh, these these changes are, are are going on. We're coming up to our uh, uh, second break. Uh, 
and uh, we have one more segment to go. And in our last segment, uh, Luke, I'd like to uh, it, uh, to uh, have you chat a little bit about uh, where you're going in your organization and how you're using some of these things uh, to uh, to do the work that you're doing. On, when I say a more personal basis, in other words, you're obviously working with organizations and lots of things, but you, as you said, you're launching these new products in your company and how you're using some of these things on a, on a day in a day out basis. So we're listening to uh, you're listening to uh, the 2020s enterprise. And my guest today is Luke Peters. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes talking about uh, digital transformation and all sorts of other topics uh, about organizations and the world of digital commerce. See you back here in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, Visit EACOE.org. Based on over 30 years of real world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email 
to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back to the uh, 2020s Enterprise. Uh, I'm Sam Holzman. My guest today is Luke Peters. Uh, and the title of the uh, the episode we are doing this week is uh, The Hard Part of Digital Transformation is Organizational Change. And uh, basically, this digital transformation that we're seeing uh, in almost everyone's lives. And uh, I want to give Luke the opportunity to talk to the audience about what is he doing with these new product launches and things like that to tie all this together, uh, the retail component, the digital component, the influencers that we heard and things like that, and uh, give us a little bit of insight as to how he's using uh, these things that we talked about in his day-in, day-out practice. Uh, Luke? Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. love to talk about that. And just some quick context. So I have, obviously, my newer brand, and it's we do you know heating cooling and really fun beverage and wine and beer appliances and, and refrigerators and been doing that since um, 2001 and but then along the way you know I love marketing and so just recently started another company as you mentioned at the beginning Sam and that's called Retail Band so the way that um, and 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 just for context I just wanted to mention that for context for the for for the audience and so what that means is along the way there's something that we were doing at New Air that really was special because we were growing and the company is 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 one of the most successful uh, in our category in the digital space. And looking back at that, I kind of put together um, those elements and turned it into something, it turned it into a system so I can kind of share with the audience how they can think of their own brands or their own companies and using this system, you can it, it kind of helps you kind of categorize the different areas for you to think on. So it, we call it the STAR index, X, uh, S-T-A-R. And I'll, I'll talk about each of these uh, quickly. And Sam, just interrupt anytime you want here. But this for S, we're talking about strategy. So a lot of companies, so and these are things that we've done within my own business. So we look at things that you, you got to have a strategy. You can't just... Um, be good at product development and know how to sell into retailers, which a lot of companies are. That's great. But if you don't have a strategy on your digital side, you know, in five years or less, you're going to be in big trouble. You know, things are changing so quickly now. So you need to have a digital strategy. Do you have a website you're driving customers to? Are you building your email list? Are you building your traffic? Because you can use that when you launch products as a huge promotional um element for your business. And if you don't have that, you're at the mercy of launching a product and hoping it's going to show up well on Walmart or Amazon. So in other words, you gain control when you own a strong website and a strong uh, or a large email list and a large you know, customer um, list. Those are huge assets to a business. So that's the strategy component. And there's more to it, obviously. You know, we go deep into that. The trust component of the STAR index is important because a lot of brands want to talk about themselves, which, you know, hey, we all love to talk about ourselves, but what's important is who's talking about us and not us. You know, customers don't trust brands. They, they trust influencers. They trust their friends. They trust reviews online. They trust other people. So in the trust element, you want to really make sure that there is a conversation going out on out there that people are talking about your brand and then, um, you know, it's great to think about that, but it's really hard to put together a plan 
and actualize that and turn that into something that's a machine that every week there's something happening or some communication happening out there. And by the way, that's where our influencers will come in. So, you know, we build teams and those teams are constantly finding influencers and those influencers are constantly launching videos. And, you know, that's on the number two search engine in the world, but also on Instagram and everywhere else. And then you're creating these assets that you can then reuse elsewhere in your website. It, it, there's a whole strategy to it. But that is how you can gain more trust is by um, getting other people talking about you. Then moving on to A, that's assets. And then, you know, quickly, this means that you got to have a, you know, the, the expectations on digital now are really high. You have to have beautiful photos, beautiful videos, and well-written content about your brand or your product. So make, getting those assets right. And the thing is, most people are doing a good job on assets. I think what's missing on assets, Sam, is that people are not putting their differentiator or their unique sell proposition into the actual images. It's an easy tweak. Everybody can quickly do that with their brands. But instead of just showing an image, you know, put those couple of words those that are going to create a good call to action or differentiate you because right now shoppers are not reading that much. They're reading less and less. They're listening, they're watching videos, and they're looking at photos. So on your photo, you want to dress it up with some content that's going to tell a story quickly, um, but using a beautiful lifestyle photo. And that's a quick change that everybody can make. And then finally, you have reviews, you know, and reviews about your product and reviews about your service. And what we've seen is that a lot of folks are passive about that. You know, they say, hey, if I do a good job, I'm going to get good reviews. Well, you know, that's great. But guess what? The competition isn't doing that. The competition's cheating. The competition's paying for good reviews. And those companies with good intentions are going to be uh, good intentioned out of business. So you, <laughs> you need to build a machine uh, uh, with integrity. Like it can be a truthful, you know, you need to get the customers that are happy to talk, to talk about you. So there, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do it in a way that you feel good about it. You're not having to buy fake reviews. But if you don't have a machine that is somehow reaching out to your good customers and asking for a review, then you'll be dead in the water down the road. So those are, that's a star index. It's a great way for companies, to, you know, it's an easy acronym to kind of outline the key areas that are going to have a great effect on um, the growth trajectory of a company. That was tremendous, uh, Luke. I that really, really appreciate that. Uh, really brings, I believe, to our audience uh, a clear insight into uh, what's going on. Uh, one other question uh, that uh, comes to mind here when you're chatting about this. We were chatting about Amazon. It doesn't matter if it's Amazon or or uh, or Walmart or or Disney. The, the big gorillas, of course, the Amazon's the big gorillas. I'm a little gorilla, not me personally, but you're the little guy. Yep. Um, what is, let's say, step one and two uh, to try to get some attention? The re- reason I'm saying that is way back when in the, um, uh, in the days where we thought that the Internet would be uh, bringing some democracy to the world, uh, basically, what it's done, I think, is 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 become it's more difficult to, as you said, get on top of the search engine or uh, whether it's SEO or search engine optimization or pay per click to get on top of things. It gets very very expensive. Um, you know that you know that's there. Are we then looking again at the the other paths, as you said, uh, 
uh, not to uh, say that LinkedIn isn't a, a great platform. We think it is too, uh, especially in our you know our, in our profession. But uh, is it the influencer approach that uh, that you see uh, getting the little guy uh, some attention? Uh, you know, to get out of the gate. Sure. Well, there's there's a couple different ways you can look at it. So if it's for Amazon, there's a specific strategy. But I think like, you know, if you're talking about the quote unquote little guy or somebody starting out, I think that um, there's it, it's still a great time because what you all you need to do is focus. And so if you're focused and you start with a really you don't go too broad, you really focus down your niche and be very specific about your offering, your product or your service. Um, and if you do that, you'll be just fine. And there's a million ways to do that with search engine optimization and with Amazon. So I'll give some quick, um, ideas for both. So let's say it's a service company and you want to show up for, um, SEO, like you want people to understand your service or see your service or find your service. You do, first of all, got to be very, very specific. And then you got to understand basics of keyword research and, and, you know, they can hire, people like me or other agencies ever, you know, but these things are not that difficult to learn yourself. So you got to, so you got to know, you got to position yourself in a narrow specific niche that you're the expert, but then using words that those potential clients are searching for. So that's it's honestly as simple as that. Um, you have to know how to do that research. It's not hard. You can use a tool like SEM rush. Uh, that's a great, that's a great search tool. And, um, and then, to get visibility, you know, obviously you're going to create a website, but, you know, then you have to get some links to your website because those are still important signals for Google. And then you have to get some social media uh, traffic and eyeballs to your site just because those are good signals to Google as well. And then you're going to be off and running. And there's so much more you can do, Sam. I mean, this is people just specialize just in SEO, but I'm giving the basics of of, of make sure that your message is focused on keywords that customers are searching. That can be a massive mistake if you choose the wrong words and you keep talking about those words all the time, but guess what? Nobody is searching those words or cares about those words. So, so that would be one. And then as, as far as Amazon goes, you know, Amazon's algorithm is based on um, sale velocity for the most part. So what that means is the more a product sells, the higher it's going to rank. So if there's a new product on the market, it obviously isn't going to have any sales. And your job then is to say, how can I get more sales? So it's really two components. How do you get more sales? And per every customer going to your site, how do you convert more of them versus the competition? Um, so let's say you have a thousand customers, you know, how do you convert, you know, 20 of them to buy instead of 15? Is that with better product descriptions, photos, call to action, so, so it's those two things. Now, to get more sales, you obviously have to get more eyeballs. And to get more eyeballs, you're going to have to probably pay some advertising dollars. So that's kind of what it's come down to with Amazon is that people, when they launch a product, are going to have to create buzz or pay advertising dollars or both. And that's where having a website with a big email list it, with some other assets, customer assets, that you can then create that awareness of your product, it just makes it infinitely easier to launch on Amazon than just from scratch. Um, so those are, I mean, there's a lot of details, but those are the higher level ways of thinking about, you know, how to win in both of those categories. Great, great advice. Uh, we we're chatting about uh, uh, the movement to uh, uh, a different format of communication. Uh, 
Uh, you were mentioning, uh, you know, video. Uh, people aren't reading as much and things like that. I remember in the, in the good old days, you were looking for hundreds of pages, and now we seem to be looking for a page or two. Uh, is there a is is there a suggestion? Uh, we've done some research there, but uh, limited. Uh, what's the tolerance uh, to people for a, a YouTube video? Is it a minute, two minutes, six minutes, an hour and a half? Any insight into in, into that? We see it shrinking, as a matter of fact. We see it coming down time-wise as far as yeah. what, what people's tolerance is. Listen, that's a great question. Um, YouTube changes their algorithm all the time. Uh, as of last year, when I was really tuned into it, they actually were pushing for longer videos. So <laughs> it doesn't wow. mean – yeah, it, it's really interesting. It doesn't mean listeners want longer videos, but I think um, – that what they're saying is if a video keeps someone's attention for more than 10 minutes, so 10 minutes was a big threshold. So if a video keeps somebody's attention for more than 10 minutes, it must be a good video and we're going to rank it higher. I mean, I'm very simplistically, this is, this is what I'm, what was sure. going on. And um, I do think that content uh, as another example has gotten more detailed. So it used to be 200 word blogs. Now it's 2000 word blogs. Cause it, you know, we want it to be real actual helpful information rather than, you know, the five things to do to throw a good summer party and then just <laughs> listen five useless things. So it's, it, so I think with YouTube, it's the same thing. It's more detailed, actionable, useful information. That's more specific, more niched. And that's kind of similar to the advice I gave earlier about starting a business is just, just niche down. Don't worry about if your business doesn't appeal to a wide market if it's just you your expenses are going to be low so go win that little that specific target and then go wide after you've won that and uh with youtube people who are making good videos are longer they're more detailed and they're keeping the audience on longer in general Hmm. that's that's fascinating so uh uh i know from a human uh, behavior standpoint uh the rule that we use uh, is uh, you get about 90 seconds, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but uh, YouTube is looking for, I guess people are looking for information, uh, uh, actionable information is what you're suggesting, and you're not going to get that in 90 seconds. Yeah, and, and they, they still want to hook you in 90 seconds. So someone who's making a good video is still going to hook you uh, in a good way. You know, they, they're going to tell you, what, and they're going to they're gonna make sure that they, in the first, you know, 30 seconds, they really hook the listener. But I think to succeed, the longer video format is what most um, influencers on YouTube are going after. Fantastic. Uh, as we're closing out this episode, I want to thank you again for, uh, uh, for your time, Luke. This has been absolutely uh, fascinating. A uh, couple of things. One last message to the audience. And then most importantly, uh, if they want to find out more about you and your services and what you're doing, um, how can they reach out to you? So yep. what's the last message you want to leave the audience? Yeah, no, well, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'm not uh, overly promotional. I just have fun doing it. And I'm running my own business and then this this second business. So I think if folks want help on that, they can find me on LinkedIn or Luke at retailband.com. And also I do have a podcast. It's called the page one podcast. Uh, page the number one and then podcast and it's it's really focused on the consumer products industry it's again really specific following my own advice and going <laughs> but uh yeah love to help 
folks and talk to them or, or get new guests on my show and, and all of the above are great. Fantastic. Again, uh, Luke, I want to thank you again. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, as experienced, if you go to uh, look at our uh, uh, information on our uh, broadcast, has a very, very extensive uh, uh, background with lots of organizations of different sizes and things like that. And uh, he's obviously uh, uh, had some experience, and, and I hope that this uh, particular show has brought some uh, new insight into this uh, digital world and the transformations uh, uh, that are going on. So again, I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, much success to you uh, in your businesses, <laughs> plural. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you don't get your four hours of sleep that you require uh, <laughs> that's out there. And uh, once again, thank you again. Uh, Luke gave you his contact information. Uh, you've been listening to uh, myself, Sam Holzman, on the 2020s Enterprise. Uh, the episode today was with uh, our friend Luke Peters on the concepts of digital change and organizational transformations in the digital world. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.